Hey guys, this is Jennifer with the Shooters Mindset, and we are live with episode 429. We are here with our co-hosts. They held it down last week while I was not gone, and I'm not going to ask how their hey guys was, because they give me a hard time about saying that at the beginning of every show, and when I have to miss, they always ask me, or they always talk about who said the hey guys and how it was. So we, we won't go through judging that, but how's it going, Corey? Pretty good. I'm uh, not training for Mammoth, but I'm in costume. I was about to say, I love, for those of you on the podcast that can't see, he is wearing a rucksack right now. Uh, how much weight you got in it? Absolutely nothing. Absolutely. I have rain gear in this and that's it. Amateur. You need 60 pounds in it. <laughs> At least 60 pounds. All right, Greg, how's it going? I'm just happy I didn't have to hey guys this episode. So fantastic. We all are. <laughs> <laughs> as much as y'all give me a hard time, you miss when I'm not here. See? All right. And our guests of the hour, the people that everyone really wants to hear from, are our winners of the 2024 Mammoth Sniper Challenge. We've got Luke Keller and Zach Reed. How's it going, guys? Hey, pretty good. Thanks. Yeah, going well here as well. All right. Well, first, we want to congratulate you for being the winners. Uh, that is definitely a feat. I've done it before, so I understand what all goes into it. Uh, planning, prep, I'm sure talking on the phone and, you know, figuring out who's carrying what and how you're going to talk on the clock and all those fun things. Um so I know it's a it's a much bigger challenge. There's a lot of aspects to it. So congratulations, first off. But for anybody that doesn't know you, if you could start off by telling us a little bit about yourselves and how you got into shooting and um, how y'all became partners. You want to go, Luke? Sure. Uh, Luke Keller, I live in North Carolina. I'm 38, uh, father of four. And... Um, I got started into shooting when I was in high school. I was on a junior high power rifle team. So we would go up to Camp Perry every year uh, during the summer to shoot national matches. And so I had, that's kind of like my introduction to everything at that point in time. And so since then, in one way or another, uh, either be three gun or uh, more long range shooting, which I've gotten into a lot more lately, uh, I kind of matches or competition in general uh, with. Uh, shooting has kind of been a, a part of my life uh, since then. And then this will be the third mammoth that I shot. Uh, so three years ago is when I met Zach. We were actually squatted in the same squad. He was shooting with somebody else um, and just started talking, kind of hit it off and uh, kept on talking over the phone. His partner was not able to uh, shoot the following mammoth. And I was also struggling to find somebody, I think, at that time. So this is the last year. Uh, we decided, like, hey, why not? Let's uh, let's do this together. And I'm in North Carolina. He's out in Utah. So um, we had never shot together in a match or anything uh, competition-wise before. So we uh, trained for all of one day and then went down to last year's Mammoth. Since then, uh, we have kept in contact over the phone, and this time we trained uh, all of two days, I believe, um, as we, we, we told ourselves we need a little bit more time, um, and then shot together uh, again this year at the Mammoth. So 
We actually don't really, uh, you know, definitely don't hang out on the weekends. Don't shoot a lot of competitions together. Only shot two. Uh, so it's really good and refreshing to find somebody that you can communicate easily with and you have like a similar mindset um, because I think that makes a lot of the lack of uh, training and, you know, just competitions in general, like together or shooting together in general, like it makes up for a lot of that, just being like compatible in that way. Definitely. Zach, how about you? So uh, I started shooting 22s. Um, when I was a kid, my dad taught me how to shoot and like in Western Wyoming, we were just plinking at rocks with open sights without any safety glasses. So no idea what we were doing, but, uh, that led into, um, just loving firearms growing up and, uh, didn't really do much other than try to kill as many prairie dogs and ground squirrels as we could, um, with our free time in the summers. And then in college, I started shooting competitively in like NRL, PRS and USPSA. Um, I had some influence in my life from some friends, um, that, uh, were like, here's a shot timer. You know, this is what it's like to shoot a target with scoring rings. And, uh, that led into, um, working for applied ballistics after college, uh, worked there as an engineer and, uh, was sponsored as a shooter. So I shot all throughout the week and then on the weekends and then traveled to go shoot. And, um, uh, did that for an amount of time for about four years and then, uh, started shooting with Luke. Well, met him with a, I was shooting with a partner from Applied Ballistics. We met at the 20, the 2020 Mammoth. Uh, but I started shooting Mammoth in 2019 with another buddy from AB. And then, uh, yeah, shot together in uh, 2023, took third and just kind of said to ourselves, like, man, there's a couple of things that we could like tie up some loose ends, like the deficiencies we had noted and areas to make, uh, to gain ground. And then uh, this next time out with an additional day of training um, kind of did that. And uh, it looks like it paid off, but, um, but I live out in Utah. Uh, I work in the defense industry and aerospace as an engineer and um, in the free, my free time, I hang out with my wife and just love life out West. So it's good. Well, speaking of like eye protection and shooting without any Greg, I think you had a little announcement to make. Come off a of mute though. I'm trying to be cool like Corey before the show. He was on <laughs> five minutes before he unmuted himself. Anyway, our good friend Brian Conley of Hunters HD Gold. You can see the banner back there a little bit. Um, both me and Jen are both wearing, we both wear prescriptions. Corey also uses these eyewear and he makes what's, in my opinion, the best eyewear you'll ever wear while you're shooting. It's kind of like a HDR lens that goes over your eyes. It increases contrast. It helps you find those hidden targets you might encounter at Mammoth. And he said, congratulations to you guys um, on your win. And uh, if you're interested, he has a set of custom to your prescription Hunter's HD Gold glasses for each of you. Really? Um, oh, nice. Dang. <laughs> he left his email. I'll shoot it over to you guys and just cool. shoot email um and then you can be as cool as the three of us with our hunters hd <laughs> well that's nice. also generous uh yeah you didn't have to do that whatsoever so really appreciate that these uh, glasses are actually several years old and uh, i wore them off and on two years ago but it wore contacts mostly and they're in my rucksack doing most of mammoth as backup so they are uh, in dire need of uh, replacement so not only is it much appreciated, but it's also much needed. 
That's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, you guys will absolutely love them. I mean, the amount of stuff that uh, that I could see bare-eyed that people struggle with wearing these glasses, mm. they are quite nice for hidden target identification and whatnot. Are they kind of like the slightly rose-tinted, like, Oakley lenses, or? So know, like he's the... got three different ones. So you can get a straight clear. Um, that it comes, I, his company is uh, direct-to-consumer from Optical Prescription Lab. So they run really high-end glass, and they run, like, just your normal glass, but all of Brian's are the high-end stuff. Um, so he's got a clear. It's a transition lens. Then he's got a gold which is a medical mm. grade dye. So it's like your classic uh, gold or uh, yellow shooting glass, mm -hmm. but with high contrast. Uh, he's got a red for shotgun. The, he calls it ruby. It's a really dark red though. So mm. not, unless you're like Utah in the summertime, um, if you have any like shade or rain or anything, it's not my favorite, but if you're out in the desert, they're bomb. Um, and then he has a blue, um which is for like fishing and stuff it's mm. like an 80 percent polarized so you can still read your phone and everything um mm. but there's a whole bunch of stuff that he does basically everything cool yeah nice he can even do bifocals but we won't talk about how i know that <laughs> <laughs> so you can have shooting glasses that are bifocals <laughs> nice nice so Y'all talked a little bit about the team dynamics, but if you had to say one thing, what do you think is the key to shooting as a team? Hmm. I'd say concise communication. And by concise, I don't mean, well, I do mean using short words, right? Not being overly prescriptive, because that takes time. But concise in the fact that you should know what your partner needs um in the moment that they are in so it could be that the only thing that they need is the range and that's it they don't need a description they don't need to like they don't need wind they don't need you know their elevation because all of that is kind of like uh material that is already populating in their heads and they're figuring that out but all they really need is the range so they can quickly look at their dope card where they can quickly confirm what they're about to do, like in their head. Um, and so that, that doesn't only go in like giving it if it's not asked, but also uh, in asking for it as well. It's like, hey, I need the range to this, I need the range to this target, or I need the range to the pig or the cross or the diamond or the oval. And when I would say if Zach needed that, or if I needed that, when we had talked about it before, when I'm asking for help, it means that I have judged that it's worth me deciding for him to abandon the points that he's trying to earn by himself. And um, I'm now consuming his time to help us as a team by helping me get the points that are available like right in front of me. So it could be that if he's hammering away and I'm not, I don't really want to interrupt him. Uh, so it's like, okay, well, we're going to get max points by me not taking him off what he's currently doing. Mm -hmm. I'm going to try to do something else, or I need to remember, you know, Hey, you give me this information, but I'll wait until he's done. So kind of evaluating that I believe is, is, is of importance. There's a lot of moving targets, uh, this time around. And I believe the only thing that we talk to each other 
uh, was color of what we were engaging. Hey, I see this one. Mm. Uh, then it'd be, this is the range or the location that it's at. It's to the left of the road. And then as soon as we would get a hit at a certain mile per hour value of like what the target was traveling at, it's like 1.8 mils or 1.5. That was like the only other thing that was communicated. Hey, I just got a hit at 1.5. Mm. Um, and then for all of our pre-discussions, we had like a like a dope card specifically for you know moving targets built out. So it's like, okay, well, if he got that at 1.5 mils, now that what that means for me that I'm you know just thinking about through my own head is that I should be holding this because I'm shooting at this different range, but they're traveling around at the same speed. Um, so working separate from each other. When but together. Working <laughs> together also at the same time, hmm. which is, uh, yeah, something I think is, is key and uh, something that uh, Sean Murphy and Greg Hamilton would say. Yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. The, um, the ability to communicate efficiently and not overload your partner because like I'm keeping numbers in my head like 7.9 mils on this target. And if someone starts spruiking off with, you know, other information that could be confusing and distracting. And, you know, so just very being very brief. Um, I think the other thing, and Luke kind of touched on this, especially in a team match, there's opportunities to work together, like, you know, a shooter, shooter spotter kind of scenario. And we would make that judgment call before a stage, like, and this feels like, a small target we should you know work in that way versus like hey we can go shooter shooter on this stage and then just work together as we need to but more or less operate independently provided we're like within the constraints of how the stage is written you know you got to shoot alternatively or you just have to announce what you're shooting you know and they don't care what order you go in so uh being able to communicate efficiently is a big big deal um and i think too <laughs> something that's just not often practiced as a team is like verbally putting someone on a target and uh, being able to do that efficiently versus just like fumbling with, I think it's like, you know, a little bit left of that big tree. It's like, thanks guy. There's a thousand trees, you know, give me something else. <laughs> honestly, some of our pre-stage, like those two days of practice were like, okay, I'm going to zip my lips for this one. You have to tell me where to point everything. So someone is like driving the shooter, identifying targets and uh, as the spotter, um, and more or less kind of just at the mercy of uh, wherever he thinks he should go is where he goes. And your skill in describing the environment to him is uh, um, like the, the the key piece of it, like the crux of his success. So, um, yeah. So how different is it training for a solo match like PRS NRL versus a team match and then another caveat to that question is, how did y'all do it when y'all were so far apart and only had that one day? Did y'all talk on the phone and strategize? Did you, you know, have a ongoing text thread forever on all the things you wanted to do and, how, you know, code words, what you wanted to say? Or how did y'all manage to do that practice? Uh, we communicated over signal, just texting back and forth throughout the year and as I'd be driving to work one day, I'd have a thought and I'd just key it up and just record a voice message and fire it off. And we'd go back and forth. I, on that. By the way, made fun of, she's like, oh, you got another voice message from Zach. <laughs> <laughs> Remember that, now you're telling me. Like, oh, no, no, this one's like three minutes, three and a half minutes long. I need to listen to this. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you've never sent me one of those. <laughs> uh, uh, 
solo matches are like, you know, you can just get in your in your zone and do your thing. And you don't have to verbalize anything generally. You just kind of operate. Um, and I think a lot of new shooters in a team match, uh, they can be in that same mindset and they've got key information that they are actively processing, but not putting out for their partner to be helpful. Um, so like there's a level of over communication and you're just saying too much. There's a level of just not doing it at all. Um, uh, but practicing, we just kind of, I don't know, Luke <laughs> went out to Coleman's and, uh, spent one day the first time and two days, the next, uh, just kind of, I don't know, making up stages for each other saying like, all right, give me five seconds. I'm going to pick out some targets. All right, here's the stage. And you have to shoot off of that rock at this target and go or whatever. We just kind of challenge each other in that way. And then try to do that together simultaneously to kind of replicate some of the, the common themes that you see at Mammoth. Yeah, I definitely agree. Zach. We, we definitely communicated back and forth after getting third place last year. We, we took a hard look at it. And like, if it's possible with scheduling, we're definitely going back. And so we were, I think, primarily looking um, at dates that Chris Andrews was putting out, you know, as far as registration goes. I don't know how quickly Mammoth sold out this year, but I, I you know, I thought it was like really quick. Um, I was like hitting refresh on the phone kind of thing. <laughs> um, so uh, once once we got in though, then the conversations, you know, started getting to more of like, okay, hey, you know, you got to travel from Utah. Like, how are we going to do this? Because we wanted to take it more seriously. Last year when we, we had no idea that we were doing well. And honestly, this year I'd say the same except like mm. a stage or two, it's like, you look at it and they, they tell you like how many points are available. It's like, oh, there's 70 points available. And when you score 14, like, and you sign the sheet of paper, you're like, oh, you know, so many points like left standing. And, um, but they're like, oh, that's the high score. And it's like, what? What? Yeah. <laughs> like we, we, got the... we did so horribly. Like you huh. know, if we had like another minute or if we just like changed one decision, it could have gone a lot better. Um, so anyway, so last year, like we didn't know that we were, you know, in the top 10, I think we were number seven or eight at some point in time, like the, the day before the last day, they put it, they put it out on social media. Neither of us were looking at our phone. We didn't think we were doing well enough to, to do, you know, be in the top 10 anyway. And, uh, it, the, the point difference between, uh, us and you know I, I think third place was three or four points there's a mat there's a stage you know so yeah. it was like oh hey we can like turn it on and we actually were able to do really well in the last two stages on that last day and we're able to take third um so there's like a degree of like okay hey we can do this we could if we take it seriously enough this year around and then how we do that over distance I think we talked about trying to shoot matches together. I tried to get him to come out to shoot uh, North Carolina. It just didn't work yeah. uh, with his work schedule. Uh, he got married this year, um, engaged and married, right? All in the same. Yeah. So like, yeah. It's a busy, busy year. I'm amazed that's, that they that's, even that's a very busy year uh, for him. I have uh, four children running around. That's Thanks. a that's a Barbie dream house blurred out. <laughs> um uh, from our girls is Christmas and everything. So we really didn't have a lot of time uh, to, to prepare and everything. But we took it seriously. And I think the time that we did spend talking back and forth was very focused. 
Um, mm. And also the time you spent out at Coleman's for the, you know, two days was also very focused. Mm. My wife was blessed us very much by allowing us yes. to do that. So, you know, he came oh, yeah. out on Monday <laughs> and then she didn't see me until I came back from Mammoth more or less uh, that Sunday because I'd leave with Zach about eight o'clock in the morning and get back at dinner time. Um, and so <laughs> I was like, all right, and I'm going to leave on Wednesday to, you know, or Thursday to go do this thing now that we prepared mm-hmm. for. Uh, so, yeah. That's the, I think just like the seriousness we, we, we brought to the table in our communication and with the distance. And we, we both have a pretty decent background in competitive shooting. And so I think because of that track record, you know, both of us could go in and be like, okay, what are the little couple of things I need to tweak? to be successful at Mammoth. And uh, so it wasn't like we were just learning how to do this. You know, I mean, I had shot two Mammoths before starting with Luke and then Luke, I think he shot one, um, but other team, we both shot other team matches together. I shot Bush Chanel sniper comp once. And um, so kind of, kind of knew what to expect and then kind of what to really focus on given the limited time we had to, to train together. Sounds like a successful marriage. Lots of communication and planning. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, a second yeah. marriage in y'all's cases awesome. now. Yeah. Um. So since you didn't get to train together as much, what did you do individually? Um, training for Mammoth is obviously the big hashtag. Mm-hmm. So what was kind of your physical breakdown versus your shooting breakdown of how you trained for the match? Hmm. I um. So it's kind of goes back to Mammoth 2019. Uh, the first one I shot with a partner from Applied Ballistics, um, we failed the third ruck march of the first day. Uh, like most teams- I feel your pain. <laughs> yeah, it, we overpacked and underprepared, just didn't really know what to expect. And um, so I had a buddy at work that started getting me into, dare I say, CrossFit. Um, and oh. I lost like 25 pounds, never been fitter. And then we came back the next year and just crushed the rucks. And what was surprising is that physically by just having just a solid base level of fitness, um, I mean, honestly, in preparation for this mammoth, I started in October and would do two to five miles a week. And when I'd go shorter distances, I'd go heavier weight. And when I went longer distances, I'd go faster with lighter weight. Um, I didn't want to injure myself and just kind of needed to fill out a little bit of fitness um, because I already had, a, I think, a decent base as a result of now doing that, um, doing CrossFit for like, I don't know, four years now. Um, so mostly physical for mine. I only shot a handful of matches this last year. I shot all army with the army. And then I shot like two USPSA matches and like a three gun. And then I think an NRL 22 match, but that was about it. Um, so yeah, mostly my, most of my preparation was on the technical side. Um, figuring out a new powder, uh, a new bullet, um, kind of working up a load for that, for my rifle. Um, so I kind of spent most of my time on the, you know, doing temp sensitivity testing, making sure my pistol was dialed in, all that kind of stuff. So. What'd you end up going with for powder and uh, cartridge? Uh, so I shoot a 25 Creedmoor. Um, so there's a little bit of background. I worked for a, oh. for a number of years. And so I had a lot of analytical tools available to me and, that was one of like the last build I made before leaving the company and moving back West. And I am of the opinion that 
based on the BC of bullets available for like six mil, six five, the 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 creme de la creme is right there in the middle at 25. You have a BC that's like a G7 of I think three 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 something like three three five or yeah, three 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 four. Yeah. Which is getting really close to like the BC of a 215 hybrid out of a 300 Norma Mac. So like, you know, you get this beautiful case capacity to just drive that super high BC bullet really fast. And um I think it's just, you know, you got a higher hit probability than a six, higher than a six five by a couple digits, but less recoil than a six five and a little bit more than a six. And brass is everywhere because he just takes somebody else's and <laughs> up and, it down. and yeah. uh you know it's easy to load for um but i shoot a burger 135 lrht and okay. um uh with a uh, vinivore 150 um so i mean you know of all the things i walked away with from applied ballistics with like knowledge and what matters in reloading is probably like the the biggest chunk of knowledge that i'm thankful for coming away from there so um yeah, like able to be able to consistently load with like single digit SDs over long strings of fire and be able to take that ammo cross country and not have it do weird things after flying an airplane after, you know, 30,000 feet. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's, yeah, so Venivore N150, the 135s, Lapua Brass and CCI primers, you know, so okay. not too complicated, but there's a couple little nuanced things that I could get on rabbit trails about, but <laughs> no, neither here nor there. all right so i'm kind of the fat kid of the crew and i always love talking about food um as an ro at mammoth we had a, a taco bar for moe's um we had some fried pork chops and chicken tenders um some good nanner pudding yeah chris took really good care of us what did you guys eat while shooting mammoth <laughs> luke um well, so between the two of us, Zach is the uh, the hungry child. He is <laughs> definitely am. every every night. He is you know figuring out how much more he could eat of the next day's allotment of food in order to not be completely dissatisfied the following day. <laughs> um, so, so realizing that this year on our drive down, um, we stopped by Subway. And we got a 12-inch subway just to bring along on a ruck on the very first day. Like, yeah, first day won't even matter, you know, for the extra weight because we'll be so fresh. And at least we'll have, like, a, a six-inch sub for lunch and for dinner as well, along with uh, Mountain House Meals. Um, mm. And so I did the Sniper Adventure Challenge, uh, I think, two years ago. And, you know, I've done a whole bunch of other stuff where I, I contemplated, like, bringing less weight by not bringing a jet boil. It was uh, extremely cold and miserable. And I'm extremely glad that we did bring a jet boil. The option of, uh, you know, just putting the water in there and letting it sit for a while, maybe, you know, against your body was something that I was contemplating. And Zach, I think looked at me like that was the dumbest idea that he had. <laughs> Absolutely ever, not. Ever. Uh, yeah, I think two jet boils in his hand at that point in time was like, we could bring both. <laughs> um, yeah so uh yeah mountain house meals the subway uh foot long for each of us and then a whole bunch of little snacks so um like little bars or you know typical like energy gels kind of thing choose your yep. choose your own adventure with that 
I think both of us were, uh, we can't, well, at least I know I grabbed the remainder of what I had from like a previous bulk buy of Mountain House Mills. Um, and so I just kind of like, oh, this is what I have. I'm bringing it. And I saw other competitors there with, you know, 900 plus calorie to choose other, some other version of, of meal as I'm eating my 480 calorie <laughs> chicken pot tie or whatever. I was like, mm, okay. I could probably have done a little bit better thinking on, on this part in the moment. Right. But like before I was like, Oh, I'm totally fine. But of course in the moment, you know, you have that kind of, uh, your, your stomach starts growling. <laughs> Listen, but, you, you did better than some people I've seen at these matches before. Um, we were at, I forgot which vortex team sniper challenge it was that we were at and we were there doing media and, it's the night before the match and I'm in a Walmart trying to, you know, grab a couple of snacks that I could throw in the back of the car to eat throughout the day. And there are shooters there coming up with their food for the match. Like in the smallest, we, it was a Walmart from like 20 years ago. Like it was so weird. Yeah. I, don't think I was walking back in time. They didn't even have indoor plumbing in this thing. <laughs> and these guys are in there and, and it's like an aisle and a half of food in this Walmart and it's the only thing open they're like well I guess this is what we're eating this weekend I was like oof wow. let me tell you I took too much food to Mammoth like I I am not one that eats very much when I shoot anyway I just like I can't I don't know I don't get hungry but of course we were rucking so we had to have more energy so we ate but we had some left over because we had really like Sean and Greg had ingrained in us, like make sure you have enough nutrition. And so we had some left over and I don't know, maybe, you know, they don't go bad. So like maybe a year later I had them and I don't know, we I hadn't gone to the grocery store and I was like, I'll just eat one of those. I mean, whatever. Mm. I, made it. I was like, how did I eat this before? Like it was fine when I was with Mammoth. It didn't bother me. Mm. They were not all that good. No, hunger is the best sauce, Jen. Yeah, I was like, mm, I guess I was hungrier than I thought. Hunger <laughs> is the best sauce. That needs to be a t-shirt. That's right. <laughs> Unlike you, we did not leave with anything. Yeah. <laughs> we ate everything. Oh. <laughs> I think Luke and I are both similar to you, Jen, in that like when we're shooting, we can. For I forget to eat. I'm like, we are so task-focused just with how our brains are wired that like some basic things that everyone would be like, Oh yeah, of course eat when you're hungry, you should drink some water. That'd be smart. Like just forget to do cause you're <laughs> on mission. And uh, so um, this year, thankfully there's enough, I think enough downtime between stages, especially on that second day with the fog that I was like, man, maybe I should heat up a lemon drip drop in my jet boil. That could be really good. And it freaking was like, I never thought a salty like electrolyte mix would taste good like that, but very mm. refreshing, especially when you're shivering cold and you now you got a liter of warm drip drop in you. It makes a difference. You were talking about debating the jet boil or not. It made oh, it because yeah. it was cold. Mammoth that I did was two years ago and it was cold too, which I think 50 degrees is cold, but it was much colder than that. But to have hot food to go down mm -hmm. to your belly it makes a difference when it's cold. <laughs> mm -hmm. So what was your, I want to hear from each of you because it might be different. What was your favorite stage and your least favorite stage? Hmm. 
We should have thought about this beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'll just fire one off if you want to think, Luke. Yeah. Um, okay. Yeah. Go ahead. I, I really, there's two marathon mover stages. And um, I think with respect to like liking it for what it was and our ability to succeed on, I think the second marathon mover stage, we went into that with a really good plan. We sat down and just executed and it was just the, everything came together and it was just like, we were singing from the same sheet of music and we executed really well on that. And um, we did really well on that stage. Um, I think my least favorite stage uh, was the, uh, it was the first stage we shot of the entire match. And it was, um, it's on some kind of, I don't know, alternate pistol range, but it was of the, the North map, the North stages, the, the eastmost, And it had like some targets identified by color of the post and then, uh, you know, the shape of the target, coyote, ipstick, and so on. And uh, I'm red, green, colorblind. So I think we spent like 20 or 30 seconds, at least I did. There was an ipstick torso in some very young pine trees um, off to the right. And I sat there and I was like, is that a red? Or is that green? Or is that red? Or is that green? <laughs> because I, I don't know. It just it was stupid, right? Because it, obviously I could just be like, no, no, no. Count all the other targets. Oh, obviously that's the one that's missing. So screw it. I shoot all the other ones instead. And looking back, I was like, that was really dumb. I, you know, and we didn't, we could have completed more shots if I didn't spend time making like dumb Zach kind of things on that target. Um, <laughs> so I think that was my least favorite of that one. But um, yeah, maybe Luke said more time to think now. Hey, buddy. <laughs> yeah, so I would agree. Uh, not for the same reason. But I would say that Chris Andrews usually has a flavor of stages. And so we have a lot of mental rehearsals beforehand. We talk about it a lot. We have, you know, our general stage plan based off of the brief and all the dilemmas that we think, you know, that we can kind of go through to have our contingencies for them. So we each know what we're going to do beforehand. On that stage, I thought there was going to be a lot of uh, trap targets. So they said, oh, the, you know, the coyote on the blue stick is like, oh, there's going to be like three coyotes out there and there, there's going to be a blue coyote, but it's going to be on a white stick. And then you're going to have to shoot a, you know, non-painted coyote on a blue stick, you know, will be your target, but you can only see part of it or, you know, some, something like that. And um, when we, uh, we were overly prepared for contingencies to the point that I think it caused us to mm. not engage just the very simple targets straight in front mm -hmm. of us mm -hmm. we're overly prepared on that one as well um because the you basically had to shoot over uh boxes or some kind of containers so the easy answer you know for somebody that doesn't do a lot or doesn't bring a lot of equipment is like oh i'll just put my gun on top of the case and then you know both of us like oh it's a trap put your gun on the case <laughs> you won't be able to see anything <laughs> You know, or you'll, you'll see like just like little little tails of things or something. Like clearly, standing tripod is the way to go, and like we'll we'll see over these cases, and clearly we'll see all the dilemmas. And um, at the end of the day, it was a very just simple stage where your targets were more or less right in front of you. And you know, afterwards, I uh, it's my least favorite, not because of the stage itself, but because hmm. uh, our, our thinking kind of you know, restricted ourselves from just uh, shooting more freely, which would have gotten us uh, a higher uh, hit percentage or you know, higher points on that stage. I think my my favorite, um, just for the stage itself or the shooting part of it, 
as the marathon stage. Same thing that Zach said. It's always then it's so rare on matches that you get to shoot them. And marathon targets are so unique in the fact that they can go in all sorts of different angles. Um, and they can set all sorts of programs for them too to do to do certain things. And very unique. So we got to shoot pistol at one, which was really cool. Um and then you know they have their own little pathways and stuff. So it's it's a, it's a very different style of shooting that uh that you have to do as a result in a whole different ball game if you know you have some wind coming this way but your you know your target's going this way or you know it's going with the wind and you know it's at 500 meters now you you could spend a significant amount of time thinking about things or you could just try to like have a good stable position send it off of a guess see where if you missed before or after it and keep on sending it and I think for, for some shooters that come from certain communities, it's, you know, there's a, there's a very high reluctance just to send around to see where it goes. Um, and, uh, <laughs> Not me. I'm sending it. Yeah. We didn't dial for, you know, for that one either. So it's like, well, we're just going to hold everything and just kind of, um, you know, see where, see where it goes within the, our tree reticles that we have and our scopes. And so that was unique. I think my favorite stage as far as prop goes was the boat stage. They had like mm. a jump boat that you had to shoot from. And uh, again, I don't think the targets were a trap. So you could shoot like from the basically just resting your rifle on the edge of the boat uh, from uh, what I heard uh, other people say how they executed it. And uh, it's just unique. They, I think they last year they had a, a razor or some vehicle that you had to shoot out of is like really cramped. Uh, so this year is the boat. I think those those things always make it fun. It's like, oh, you could, you know, you could do really well here if you, you know, maybe get in the right position or you could just kind of really burger it up <laughs> if you get in the wrong position and don't see anything. So, yeah, I think it might have been, Greg, the stage you were ROing two years ago with all these targets that were just, it was on the range four, the KD range, and they're all just stacked up. Very difficult to discern, like, as targets are next to each other, especially after being shot and now slightly camouflaged to determine what is what. And I remember I went up to an RO, I don't know if it was you, and they're like, hey, take a look through my optic. And you get up five feet off the ground and it's, there's all the targets. You can see every single one of them. They're all distinct from each other. And I think both Luke and I were like, maybe we should always shoot standing tripod every time. <laughs> <laughs> and so I think that's why we went into the, the first stage we shot, the coyote, Ipsig color stage. It was like tripod, must do tripod. It's a trap. <laughs> thing. Is... The boat, the boat's yeah. a trap. You can't shoot at that level. You won't be able to see the targets. And so maybe yeah, we would have got shot. some more hits if we would have taken a simple approach, but I don't know. I saw all the targets. So yeah. I'm happy. That is great. And I, I bet money that it was Eric Lumberg that said he, he he's the kind of guy that would do, you know, you, you want your mind blown now? Just look here. That's, that's totally something. Glasses. That... Glasses and ball cap. Yep. Uh, it's a little like kind of a thin beard, maybe. Yep. Okay, I know who you're talking about. Yeah, <laughs> that was him. Yep, that was him. Um, yeah. So, needless to say, we shot staining tripod from the John boat. We made it work. <laughs> we spent like 30 seconds getting our tripods like set up. <laughs> but it it I was so saw. true on that on that stage. You could either you know stand up and shoot tripod, or even just stand up and spot and help your guy on the ground or 
you'd have to move left to right throughout the stage. And there were so many people that they're like, there was one target in particular that you couldn't see from about two thirds of the stage. And everyone was sitting there. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? And, uh, you know, then someone would stand up or move and they'd be like, Oh, there it is. And the best part is when one partner could see it and the other partner couldn't, you know, they're, they're like, we're going to go to the opposite cones here. And, you know, you get, you know, you have the good teams that realize like my partner does not see the same thing as I do. Hey, come sit next to me. Or you might not be able to see it. And then the other ones they're you dummy, it's right there. It's right past this. Are you blind? Dude, you're the big tree. <laughs> so, uh, Rob commented, he said, uh, with the overthinking, he said, we call that the Scott Whitehead syndrome. Mm. Hmm. Mm. That is too funny. There was something else I was going to say before we went to our midpoint, but I don't remember what it was. Maybe it'll come to me. Um, anyway, we're about at the midpoint of the show. Remember, if you're watching us live on Facebook, ask any questions you may have in the comment section of the video. We'll ask it live on air. Other ways to catch us, you can always check back on the Shooter's Mindset Facebook page. The videos stay up there forever. And we usually upload to all the podcast apps the night after the show. And then finally, everything eventually ends up on the Shooter's Mindset YouTube page. So that's a great place to look up past episodes. So anyway, I need y'all's help real quick. We almost need your help. Corey convinced to sign up for Mammoth 2 when Chris was on announcing that. Um, <laughs> he shoots like two matches minimum every weekend. Um, literally yesterday, he's walking around with a 45-pound backpack in the snow for fun. Like, this is this is what Corey needs. But he's still too chicken to shoot. So you guys help me convince him to come shoot Mammoth. Hmm. What's holding you back? Time. That's a hard one to argue against. Yep. It's a rough <laughs> one. <laughs> like, time for matches. But, like, those matches aren't mammoth. So, I'm hosting between four and five matches a month. And I have three jobs. But you have interns. <laughs> the, the intern is a negative dude that's more work i was about to say that's <laughs> jen help me out on the interns one yeah it's more work <laughs> when you could do something faster than explain some to someone else how to do it yeah how about we do this how about we sell the listener on man <laughs> yeah that might be an easier sell than getting you going on it <laughs> um you know, I think Mammoth is unique in the competition sphere in that, as we've talked about, it's like very physically demanding. Um, lots of teams, like more than a third of team of the teams, like even this last one dropped for one reason or another. Um, a lot of those being physical, just rucking. And there's something, I don't know what it is in the human brain, at least for me, some of my best friends I've made over the years are those that I've done really hard things with. Um and mammoth is pretty difficult, you know, and the, uh, the camaraderie you build, not just with your partner, but also with like just the other people in your squad that you meet, like you get on the other end of it and you have like a bond that's different than just like some dude you squatted with at a PRS match for the weekend. Um, spending three days, the downtime, the conversations with others. It's just a real special experience, I think. And, um, there's not a lot of other places you can get something like that other than shooting kind of these style of matches. So that's something I enjoy about it. And I don't know, I think uh, 
someone's just got to do it and give it a go. And you look back on it, you're like, man, I should have started this years ago. But um, yeah, the camaraderie of it, I really, really appreciate it. Yeah, I really think it's cool to have something to train for as well. So it gives you like a, a point on the wall for either physical fitness or for, you know, some level of, uh, you know, human performance that is at an increased level. And you don't necessarily get that with, with other, with other matches. I mean, the mammoth is definitely unique, uh, with that regard. That's what I, I definitely appreciate about it. And I think it's, um, something that I look forward to, uh, you know, time, time available and God willing able to go back to, uh, each year. Hmm. It's like, um, I've done half marathons before and people are like, why would you do that? That is so <laughs> I'm like, but it's not something that everyone has done. Like just to complete it is a feat, you know, and you train for it and you have that goal. And I think mammoth is kind of the same way, mm. you know, anybody can go out and, and do PRS matches or whatever, but just to, to complete mammoth is a feat, mm -hmm. I think. And then, you know, obviously to win it is, it's just something that gains a lot of respect. So let's talk gear. Obviously, we know the jet boil is a big one, but <laughs> what's something that a whole bunch of teams brought that you saw that you didn't bring? Hmm. Uh, pistols with iron weighed, sights. Oh, go ahead. Our rucksacks weighed quite a bit. Uh, yeah. <laughs> we were in it to win it this year, and uh, I didn't talk the training piece earlier. Um, I did a whole bunch of PRS matches this year. Didn't do well okay. at some of them at all. Um, did all right in others. Uh, I did, uh, there's a team match at uh, Coleman's Creek. Um, that's like pretty popular. So I did that earlier on this year okay. as well. And I think that was all like in preparation for it. Um, but as far as like gear that, We kind of brought it all. We we both brought like, both brought really right stuff tripods. We both had, mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, laser rangefinder binos. We both had really nice pistols. So I had a, a staccato. Well, actually, no, he 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 shot his Glock, um, but it was shooting really well. But you, you say know, a Glock is not a good gun? Wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> well, last year the pistol targets were one for one Virginia count, every single one of them, and they were. That's silly. That's just silly. Away. I think it's great. <laughs> so we uh, we actually were shooting like match grade uh, from Atlanta Arms, like match grade nine mil ammo um, that we like we printed out on paper and we're like okay, like this is even as we're training at Coleman's Creek, we're kind of like you know, determining if his uh, aluminum cased blazer ammo was as accurate as he thought, which it wasn't. Um, no, absolutely not. Shocker. Compared to the stuff. Um, but uh, we, we, we brought probably everything else that everybody brought and then some, I would say. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, like the first year I shot Mammoth, I brought a pump pillow, you know, like an Armageddon gear pump pillow in addition to other stuff. And, you know, this year it's like, we don't need to bring that. Let's use our sleeping bag. It's already in a stuff sack. You know, we could kind of, I, I would say we brought everything, but we brought only what we needed. We didn't bring like 
I don't know, a plate for our tripod to put a bag on top. Cause they're like, well, I'm just going to shoot the, I'm going to clip my gun in. It's got an arc rail. So we didn't do a lot of extra, but we brought everything we needed to be successful, I think. And I think a lot of that was influenced by previous, given that Chris Andrews has like a flavor as he makes matches. You can kind of like game it in your mm-hmm. mind as to, should I bring a spotting scope? Nah, too much weight, you know? Um, but as far as something, I saw a lot of shooters with iron sight pistols. And based on our yeah. experience previous year, we're like, got to have optics, got to make every single shot count. So I had an RMR right. that I had on my Glock for years, whereas the previous year I shot a shadow two with irons. I'm like, you know, I could take that extra little bit with the RMR and also be probably like 10 pounds lighter because a shadow two is a boat anchor. <laughs> but, uh, 52 uh, ounces. Let's go. <laughs> oh, man. With a fully loaded mag, that gun's like almost what, three or four pounds? Yeah. yeah. Jeez. Anyway. Shoots like a typewriter, though, but, um, you know, so, yeah, I think, yeah. Equipment-wise, this year, I thought I saw, uh, primarily due to Vortex's Impact 4000, way more. Oh, yeah. Laser range finders. Okay. Uh, and I will say that I am very impressed uh, with the Impact, especially at the price point that it's at. Mm. Um, and, but I, but I also say that, uh, while the equipment is amazing from from what I've seen, it's another piece of equipment that you have to know how to use. Mm-hmm. And and I don't mean like there's definitely several targets uh, that were very like weapon mounted laser rangefinder is like that all day every day. It's like an oval on a berm, not a lot of time. If you have like your your impact um readily available right there bam you got your dope you got 10 seconds left maybe you get that extra hit or two that you want to yeah like key for success but most of the targets again chris andrews style is you know they're behind a berm someplace and there's only so much of them exposed for you basically to determine what it is and there's you know no laser rangefinder really out there that's going to give you the precise range to like the little piece of metal that's like showing it's going to give you like the grass before or you know the the terrain behind it um gotcha. so I think as we see more equipment like that coming along it's also going to require it's a different tool to use to know that how like the feedback that it gives you mm-hmm. so, um again with the impact it, like, it has the ability to scan so if you have that thing in scan mode and it's like okay well i have this like series of oh rings. yeah i'm just going to pick this one look at my dope card you know, and I'm going to send it, uh, you know, I think things like that make it more interesting, but I I definitely don't think it would have helped most people in most situations, um, during this match where if you just like press the button and trust the hold and send it, well, the equipment's fine. This is where you pointed it was, you know, a trap (laughs) of like a bush in front of it or something, you know, to kind of trip you up with it. So. Yeah. And then all of my years of ROing mammoth, I've seen so many people get bit with, and, you know, previous years, you know, there was nothing under six, $8,000 as far as weapon mounted rangefinders went. Yeah. Be out there with their, you know, $9,000, whatever brand it may be. And, you know, I just watched somebody pull out this old school thing that looks like it came out of their dad's boy scout backpack. And, you know, they get the range, right. And then these guys get down and they're, Oh yeah, it's eleven fifty. I'm like, targets eight twenty five. <laughs> yeah, that happened to me at my first mammoth. Um, 
So Brian Litz had one of the original Wilcox Raptors that um, was sent out and the AB was put into it. And uh, he let me use that for that match. And he just kind of had it in a drawer as like one of many pieces of kit that's just like, yeah, sure, give it a go. And not knowing any better, um, that thing has temperature variance, like will basically expand or contract the little bridge that the lasers are on. So you can just watch as that thing heats up and cools down, your laser moves and or it gets bumped and shifts. And I thought it was just like zero and it's good. And uh, I think on one of the stages, it was that exact problem. Like I have a target exposed. Oh man, that's like 800 yards. But it really was six because the Raptor was picking up the tree bank behind it and just completely sailed it over that target. Um, so there's like, with every new piece of equipment, it's understanding its limitations and like the use case for it and like when it really shines and when it doesn't. Yeah, I think for, again, going back to equipment like that with a uh, range finding binos. So for instance, like the Furies, having it in the scan mode and just like scanning all around a target, that's like a little bit difficult. And then you don't trust the equipment to give you the range. You just determine what you thought the, you know, the end result of all of your searching is, you know, if something clearly, you know, out on a field where you can like see the base of the target, I can trust more or less like one or two, like you know, presses of a button and that's going to be accurate. But most of the targets that, uh, you know, Chris and uh, Scott Patterson um, put up were definitely like, again, 14 points out of, I forgot how many points that were available, but like shooting like from a truck of uh, these targets on like a KD range and they're like, they're big targets. And it's like, wow. It's like, I, I, it's, it's it's its own problem. Like introducing new equipment introduces a new problem for you to have to think about, mm -hmm. and, you know, ways that you can take advantage of, of the feedback that it does give you because the equipment's like really, really good that's out there. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, the dilemmas that you have to work through now are the, yeah. the team aspect of that, is, I think, is the, a unique part that this match brings with it as well. And it's and in preparation for this, you know, speaking of equipment, there's a lot of little things that I don't think a lot of people realize with like LRFs, for example, like in your HUD, there is a reticle, but that doesn't mean the laser is actually at the center of that reticle, you know, so you go and do things like find a power line and you scan up and down at that power line because it's very thin, right? And then you just, especially on a tripod, you just eat that thing up and down until you get a range and then you come down. Then you flip your binos 90 degrees and you do it the other way and you find exactly where that laser is zeroed in that you know that pair of binoculars. So now you can use some, in the scan mode, some amount of logic, like, okay, I'm scanning, scanning, scanning. Oh, you know you know where that laser goes and you just got a blip of like 500, 800, 625, 500, 800, 500, 800, And because you can be a little smarter with where you point that, where you direct that laser energy, you can actually like get those targets that are difficult sometimes, not always. Um, <laughs> that extra little bit that's like that last little 10 percent that allows someone i think to be like really successful with their equipment is the not just trusting it completely and blindly um really kind of figuring it out with uh range finding binos do you guys have a particular way that you use them because you know you'll see you know you know obviously you have your sailors that'll just stand up like this and you got the guys that only use them prone is is there what's y'all's favorite way that you find the most stable to use hmm. standing tripod yep absolutely so if i if i had to shoot if i was forced to shoot from the prone 
but I could find and range all my targets whatever way I could, I would um, always put it in a standing tripod. Because the the higher you are, like now you're directing the laser energy, like you know, at more of an angle, and you're potentially seeing the base of the target, and so your likelihood that you're getting an accurate range and you're seeing over the brush or over a bush is now increased, and so it yeah. might be harder to then you know transfer like your visual image of the range or or your, or your targets like once you get back down into the prone, let's say you're fourth of that. Um, but I'd always go standing tripod and it, they're clipped in. And the next, the very next best thing is a bag, I think, on top of a plate. Mm. Um, and I think that it's definitely given the situation and how fast you have to shoot and all this kind of stuff. I think a bag and a plate of some sort could be the answer. Mm. Um, but for this match, since we're oftentimes just like started with the, the, the binos already clipped into the tripod, just because mm -hmm. we knew that's how it was, it's like, well, I'm just gonna run up there like this. Mm -hmm. and I think there's a truck there. The during the truck stage, I, I remember seeing Zach. Um, we had talked about it so much in all of the, all of our prep to get high, no matter what, that the tarp was like folded down, so you had to shoot from like the seated bench. And I'm like pretty much like in my position, getting there and been working on it for 15 seconds, and he's still trying to like lift up the tarp somehow or another in order to like to increase the ability to get higher and then eventually gives up on that and you know to yeah. get back like okay allowed to manipulate this we're just gonna work with what we've got mm -hmm. um, but that's how much of an advantage that uh we thought as a team that getting higher with just our mm -hmm. binos not even our rifles just our binos um yeah how much of an advantage we thought that was going to bring us yeah we both have vortex furies with a b in them and we mostly just use them for range finders kind of a b is a little backup especially in the binoculars but um with uh we have little really right stuff like arca clamps on them and there's just enough play with those that when they're in a tripod locked in you can just kind of sit there get it on a target and especially ranging it you have just enough to like scan up and down to get a, a good range with them so yeah we'd start a stage with our binos in a tripod ready to go um and we'd also like really segment our time well with them so in knowing that it's like a fine range engage kind of match, we're like, well, we got to find them first. So how do we want to break up this five or six minutes to do that? Well, and we just kind of would make a judgment call based on what we thought for the stage for our, the time that we would spend with those binos. But yeah, that's kind of a, that was a big deal. Yeah. And that's the way that, you know, I see a lot of the teams that shoot well do it, you know, instead of, oh, I must be in this position this whole time, you know, realize like you can just stand there and chill and look for the targets, you know, mm -hmm. not exactly chill, but, you know, getting up everything you said, it, it does seem that a lot of the teams with single digit finishes, that's the way they shot. Mm. Um, I do have a live from Chris Andrews. Um, he said, we didn't cover this at awards, um, but will you two be taking your free team slot to defend your mammoth title? in 2025 oh well luke <laughs> oh. i would definitely desire to uh if <laughs> if available due to work considerations i would uh 110 sign up for it oh yeah yeah i'd be back especially yeah. if luke's there <laughs> um, <laughs> that a big, yeah, that's, i want to sit there and refresh and like okay okay can we get in can we get in yeah. <laughs> yeah that's, that's how it was this year we're, we're definitely i think it was me that was doing the refresh i forgot i think zach was busy yeah uh, yes, chris that uh 
we would definitely come back. We love that. Oh, yeah. Y'all put a ton of time, or they put a ton of time into it. Yeah. Um, I really, this year it showed he really thinks about the the fairness of it because you're split up. Um, like one group goes this way, the other group goes this way. So we're like weather decisions and stuff, you know, each group had to ruck the same amount. We shot the same stages. Um, and I saw last year, you know, uh, it's like by meters or tens of meters, teams don't make it for the ruck times. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's there's exacting standards and ways of doing things that I think are pretty consistent that make the match enjoyable. Yeah. For all for all the right reasons. So I've got some lightning round questions. Um, what rifle did y'all use? I shot a, it's a Archimedes, uh, American Rifle Company Archimedes, 25 mm -hmm. Creedmoor, um, 26 inch barrel with a night force and a uh, MDT chassis that I pulled off the prize table in um, uh, 2023. So. Oh, nice. Yeah, I think I saw MDT shouted you guys out this morning. Oh, really? Cool. Yeah. Nice. You run suppressed? Uh, I run. We both run brakes. Okay. Yeah. I was shooting a a Lone Peak and an MDT ACC Premier chassis uh, with okay. a twenty six inch proof uh, competition barrel that I think weighs seven and a half pounds. <laughs> I was going to say the competition didn't register until you said weight. I'm like, damn, you're bigger than thought. Yes. <laughs> Um, now I will say this much. It was a joy to shoot. Oh yeah. We'll stop period after that. Yeah. Had <laughs> to carry it the entire time. So that, <laughs> that much, uh, not so much, but, and I said before he had a, uh, a Glock 19 with an RMR then had a staccato P, um, uh, okay. DP pro on it. What scopes do you all use on your rifles? I have a night force five to 25, uh, with a okay. tremor three. Had a nine four seven by thirty five with a trimmer three. Okay, uh, big one. What packs do you guys run? I have a Kufaru something. I think it's a forty four mag bag, but the frame I think is one of their tactical frames. So it's a nice bag. It's the best pack I've ever owned. Oh my gosh, yeah, um, great ones out there, but mm, it's good. I cram everything into an Everly stock gunslinger. Okay. And uh, Zach's laughing because my Subway sandwich was uh, within the elastic bands on the outside <laughs> for uh, for all to see. Um, you got a lot of that. comments about that. If you would have gone in front of everyone else, it would have been like, you know, the person running in front of the dog with the yes. meat from the... <laughs> but uh, yeah, I love that pack. It's very light. Um, however, uh, Zach was a little bit more flexible, but I was able to cram a significant amount of stuff within that. Mm. Uh, it's like a Mary Poppins bag, you know. I'm kind of I'm impressed, truly. But <laughs> I mean, the heavy rifle, not as heavy on my back, at least. Yeah. <laughs> and then, what about sleeping gear? I have a, a climate. They're a brand from here in Utah, just down the street from me. Uh, a 20 degree down bag, and then. Yeah. Um, I have one of their Recon 5 sleep mats, one of their little Lux pillows, and then we used Luke's uh, Marmot tent, like an ultralight backpacking tent. Sharing the warmth. Yep. yep. It's worth it. Make yep. meals together, keep everything inside out of the rain, which it did. 
and I was thankful for being. <laughs> um, yeah, so I went out and uh, this Christmas for um, a family member gave us a whole bunch of gift certificates. So with that, I went out and got a, an inflatable uh, sleeping mattress that was very nice because um, I was very jealous of Zach's climate inflatable mattress last year as I was sleeping on <laughs> just like a foam one. And he looked yeah. like he was three inches off the ground and with his pillow <laughs> just like fell asleep instantly. <laughs> so that was actually the one biggest gear change. I think that as far as like preparation goes, I will bring a very nice lightweight inflatable mattress, um, mm. which I did. Um, I think it was like a seed to summit one. But anyway, but then, yeah, just the sleeping bag, a Marmot sleeping bag I've had since college in addition mm. to that. A little inflatable nice. mattress makes a difference. Mm. Oh God, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, good sleep and good recovery. You cannot, you cannot understate it. Especially at a match like Mammoth Three, are so physical. It's just, yeah, it is mm, essential. You can and tell being me. the first one asleep when your <laughs> hunting partner is just staring at you, wondering how you're asleep. It really just like reinforces that you have the clean conscience. <laughs> <laughs> or you just don't have ADHD and you're just replaying things in your mind throughout the entire day. And, <laughs> and I think where you could gain ground up or I don't know. That's funny. <clears throat> so y'all started out, I mean, Mammoth is the first week of January. So y'all kind of started out 2024 with a bang. So what other goals do you have for this year for yourself? Are you going to shoot other matches? Are you going to do Mammoth 2? Hmm. hmm. I'd say the first goal for me right now, after being gone for this part, <laughs> is spending time with my family. Um, I'm well, pretty man. involved with my church, uh, so there's a lot of focus that um, needs to go there. So there's a lot of balance with things within life, in order to ensure that I'm not like, you know, shooting competitions don't become like an idol for me that I'm just like constantly chasing, because mm. um, it can be it can be hard and. Uh, you know, also trying to be a good father at the same time when things are like set and I have the ability to, you know, have some free time and that um, I'm able to do things matches like the mammoth are the, my favorite ones to do. Mm -hmm. uh, it is easier for me to do like a PRS match, like on a Saturday, like that's more local. Um, mm -hmm. I'm very blessed to be uh, within this part of North Carolina, Coleman's Creek, a phenomenal long range shooting range is uh, like 45 minutes from my house uh not everybody has access to that so if i need to go do something that's related to this style of shooting it's literally right there and uh, the shooting community in north carolina is just uh phenomenal as well so um it's a really I mean, nice range up there it is yes it is and yeah so i'm able to do like a you know prs i think my number one feedback for me as a shooter is um, i'm not necessarily a, a prs person or it's not something that i pursue all the time but being better at PRS makes you phenomenally better when in a time constrained environment in a match like the mammoth, when your partner's counting on you to hit that really small target that you do know the range to it's like, Hey man, like this is it. Like you and those 10 seconds in the scope, it's all the preparation that you've done. Um, leading up to that. There's lots of things you can do to get to that point. But I think, you know, being PRS is a, a great way to train for it. And I really think as Zach and I talked about, but NRL hunter, uh, style matches so we've we've entertained yeah. potentially me going out west uh i know there was one in alabama um coming up at still city that we're looking at i think that one sold out but i think 
NRL Hunter would as a team would be the uh kind of like the next thing that we could do together in the yeah. interim uh for uh shooting together. What about you, Zach? Um, I think the only thing I've got planned for shooting, and I'm shooting the tactical games here in Utah in September. Oh, nice. A little bit different flavor, but um, I've got a couple of guys from the gym, friends of mine, a guy from church that we're all getting together and going to train for together. And I'm kind of like yeah, yeah, getting their competitive streak going. So I'm kind of prepping for that. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of like with anything with going into Mammoth, figuring out how to game it. How do I maximize points? You know, do I shoot match <laughs> ammo? You know, um, do I go out and buy staccato? You know, do I? Uh, the answer is yes to that um but uh nice you know so there's a yeah that's kind of it but um i mean really my goal this year is just to learn how to be a good husband and love my wife um her and i are really involved in church so we're you know um focusing on that and uh just kind of filling in the gaps with you know a weekend here or there um helping my wife with her business when i'm not working full time so um yeah i mean shooting is like you know something i love but i don't want it to become like my identity as a person, um, you know, I find my identity elsewhere, but it's like, it's good. It's fun. It's something I'm good at and I enjoy. So, um, yeah, just little things, probably some USPSA matches here and there. Uh, maybe some NRL Hunter. I know there's a couple of matches out West here in Wyoming, Idaho and, and Utah. So maybe we'll find something before the next mammoth. That's awesome. I, I like the life the family life balance, I think it's difficult to do. I kind of um, stepped back from shooting after I got married just to, you know, spend some time, you know, and get to know each other a little bit better. And so it's good. But now I have a 22 and we're going to start shooting some NRL 22 together. So it's going to be a family. That's awesome. Be fun. <clears throat> I, did, uh, I did get my wife to shoot a PRS match with me this year. And uh, it went better than expected i mean you're um, still married you did great you're still married <laughs> yes. yes she said that because you asked for <laughs> and i said yes um but yeah with the goal so we do a lot of um like triathlons and uh spartan races and our kids do the spartan race and all that kind of stuff so i'm trying to you know get her into a team match eventually at some point in time in the future so that'll that'll, that'll be interesting development at some point in time but yeah. it's fun like the community the community part is is really like what draws me to it it's great people like i'm not yeah. i never sit around like you know when you don't perform well i never sit around and be like man i just wish i wasn't here or this is you know a silly thing to sign up for just because yeah. everybody around you is probably generally thinking the same thing because they did just as horribly as you um but if not like they're giving you pointers and how to do better or they're you know telling you about uh you know, they're in the same situation five or six years ago and these techniques or this method like help them out. So I think we all start from a position of, of great learning and eventually get to, you know, a, a spot uh, where there's some mastery there. And the shooting communities is filled with so many good people that help yeah. people in the way. So it's just a, a phenomenal thing to, to be around. Yeah. I agree with you. Do we have any more lives? mostly set yeah we're good all right well i think we can wind it down to shout outs we always kind of do a shout outs at the end of the show so we will start with greg 
All right. Um, so I wanted to shout out definitely Hunter's HD Gold, greatest glasses I ever for shooting. Um, we can shout out GSL suppressors because I got my my big pew quieter on the end of my new my new rifle over here, and it's it's quite fun. Nice. And you can't quiet fun. The new rate <laughs> top there also. Shout out to Vortex for that. <laughs> hey. All right, Corey, what you got? Got Thunderbeast Arms for letting me pre-order the Magnus K race ready. Texas Precision for hosting Precision Rifle Matches. 22's this Sunday, Jen. Uh, we bet for solid bags and gear. JP Rifles for amazing rifles. Federal for the advance on the 7mm 170 grain terminal ascent that just came out. Vortex for the Gen 3 Razor. Hunter's HD for the Bitchin' Shades. And Ben Sticker Pro Shop. I'll just start walking now and I'll maybe make it to Texas by like June. <laughs> Back warm. <laughs> it's been rough. <laughs> yeah <laughs> um all right how about we'll go luke what you got just all the sponsors for the mammoth um the price table is awesome but at the same time i know you know it takes a lot of hard work to put uh such a competition on from chris andrews every year so big shout out to him for making it possible and for you know keeping keep growing every year to, to, to make it happen and also expanding it as well Definitely look forward to uh, potentially going out west at some point in time to, to see what it's like at Mammoth 2. Mm. Maybe not this year, but uh, at some year in the future. So so that's exciting. All right. And Zach? Um, yeah, same thing as Luke. You know, just the, all the sponsors, you know, everyone, Proof, MDT, Night Force, like that whole crew, um, everyone, Grunt Style, um, Eisenhower, the base itself, you know. Um, and then, you know, Chris putting it all on, it's just, it's awesome to have it all come together and to have the community support a match like that, you know, just for them to even just to give stuff to the match, you know, their, their product that they, you know, are well and truly entitled to make money on, uh, but they give it away at something like this, which is really cool. Um, and then a shout out to my wife, Audrey, because she lets me go and do these things and supports me in it. And <laughs> I really appreciate that. So, um, yeah, super awesome. Uh, well, since he said it, I have to say it to my wife, Ashley, then. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> got it in, brother. <laughs> so we know who got brownie points tonight and who didn't. <laughs> um, well, I'll tell you one funny thing talking about Fort Eisenhower here, uh, you know, because I'm local here. And on Facebook, so Fort Eisenhower, I believe, was doing some other military things with some big sonic booms, okay? And someone, the news put up a news story that said, if you heard a lot of loud booms, it's because the world's best snipers were competing <laughs> in a match on Fort Eisenhower this weekend. And it's like a picture. It might have been of them. Who was it? Uh, was it the winners? I don't remember who it was, but yeah. No, and it was good. so funny. Everybody's comments on that article on Facebook was like, I can't believe they would host a sniper match that's going to be this loud and not tell the community. And I'm like, there's <laughs> no way y'all heard. Uh, <laughs> Famine. That's the sound of EOD having fun with C4. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it so, was much bigger booms than any uh, sniper 
also Ford Eisenhower did put out alerts, but the news just didn't share the alerts. So, yeah. Yeah. It was just, I, I laughed. It was so funny that, you know, people were like, I can't believe they would do something with this loud booms and, mm. and have these guns there and not tell the community. <laughs> there, yeah. there was, there was a lot of overdramatic people too. Like we were right there by it and like, yes, you could hear the booms, but there were people that were 30 miles away that were like, it was knocking stuff off of my shelves. I'm like, no, I <laughs> that was your mom that fell down the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> Don't think that was the case. Uh, it was funny all right well for my shout outs I just want to shout out both of y'all for uh a for putting in the time and the hard work to compete in mammoth I know what a time commitment that is it's you know other matches you can get ready for in you know a month tops and mammoth you got to start really early so I know what a um strain that is on time and and families to an extent. Like I said, my husband has begged me to never do mammoth again because he was like, please don't do that. He just worried about me out there wrecking so much. But um, so shout out for that and shout out for spending your Tuesday night with us to talk about it so people can hear kind of how it came to be that y'all were the champions of that difficult match. So people like to hear kind of the strategies and how y'all did. So I look forward to seeing y'all compete in some other competitions. I think it, I always think it's funny with Mammoth. There's some people that just kind of go shoot with whoever that year, whoever, you know, I'll just, whatever. And then there's some that, you know, maybe have shot with a couple other people and then they find each other and it's like, they're a really good team. And they just, I mean, like Sean and Greg, they go and shoot and try and win every title out there. That's of that genre of shooting. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Luke's like, yep, that's where we're going to head. <laughs> Best we can. So I really look forward to seeing uh, what y'all have in store and what y'all are going to be able to do. So, well, thanks for having us on, Jen. We really appreciate it. We enjoyed it. All awesome. right. And with that, it'll be a wrap for episode 429. We will not have an episode next week unless Corey just wants to talk to himself because we will be at SHOT Show. Um, so it'll be a big time difference and we'll be busy. I think we have dinner. Let's see yeah we have a dinner tuesday night so we'll we'll be busy for sure but we'll be Look back you after that <laughs> it's a business dinner of course yeah absolutely. it's a write-off that's write-off <laughs> hashtag it's a write-off <laughs> <laughs> we can love to take a picture at dinner and put that all right well with that it's a wrap and we'll see y'all next time